Now, at this point, was there an organization called the Center for Medical Simulation? No, actually, the name of it was the Boston Anesthesia Simulation Center, BASC. And we still have hats around here with BASC on them. Because uh, it was basically, it was anesthesia-centric. That's what it was all about. And so we got people, actually, the, the people who came were all volunteers. You know, our people, even now, they're starting up centers, and they bemoan how it's so difficult to get anything started. Well, it was volunteers. It was easier then because people did have a little more free time. It wasn't quite as much of a production pressure as there is today, but it was there. And people gave from their non-clinical time. Uh, and then Jordan Hallis, who's now the director of the center, the technical director, I think, of the center at Vanderbilt, he's been, he was there at the very beginning. He was the supervisor of the anesthesia technicians at MGH, and he reported to me. And I said, Jordan, why don't you come over and help us do this? So he would come over, and he'd help set it up, and he, he, there were some of the programs. And at first, everything we did was training residents. So we basically copied GABA's CRM program that we had learned. Again, a whole bunch of people had gone out there and trained. And a couple of people who, like Dave Feinstein is the only person who I think was on the original trip who's still involved around here. And uh, he, of course, is at, um, he's at Beth Israel Deaconess now. Uh, but back then, there were different people from each of the hospitals who would come and they would teach in the programs, and we would get residents from the programs. And that was the power of this collaboration. We could put on a whole day course for residents because each of five different hospitals could send one resident. And it, that's really hard to do, and we're still doing it. So again, it's really important because it shows the power of collaboration uh, and volunteerism and people really going out of their way to make something happen that they're passionate about. I think I run most of my life on serendipity and opportunity. I guess I'm an opportunist. I not like I plan things out. So of the people who are with CMS now, who are the you know, world leaders, people who are recognized, you know, Dan Raymer was the first to come along. And it was just an opportunity. And so what had happened was I was running biomedical engineering at Mass General. Dan Raymer was the director of clinical engineering at the Brigham. And we knew each other. We won't close friends, there wasn't collaboration between the hospitals, but we knew each other over the years from various projects. So what had happened was, this was a, uh, in the mid-90s when the um, uh, healthcare was just in chaos, and it was right after the Clinton election, and uh, there was going to be these big changes, and everybody was getting scared, and they were really crunching down, and, at the, and where Dan was as director of clinical engineering, uh, they were slashing and burning, bringing in consultants. And his department was one of the ones that was under the gun from the consultants and from the administrator they brought in to do it. And Dan said, I'm out of here. Now, uh, the other thing about Dan, and people know Dan, and he's an iconoclast. He just says what's on his mind. He's really funny, of course. Uh, and he ran his department that way. He was a much better clinical engineer than I am, still is. Uh, and as the director of the department, he was much more passionate about it. I ran biomedical engineering, uh, but I was really a patient safety guy. And I thought, uh, so what had happened in the, in the mid-90s, actually it was really, really right after that, the merger happened. But before the merger happened, uh, actually that's not true. There was a, a merger that happened in 95 where Mass Journal and the Brigham surprisingly and suddenly merged. And Dan was still the director of clinical engineering then. And 
he and I talked and said, well, what do you want to do? And we each said, why don't you do it? Because I got other things to do. We said, well, look, we'll just see how it plays out. Uh, and how it played out uh, was really interesting because around, and as I was saying, around that time, the Brigham was really more under the gun financially from this administrator who came in to slash and burn. And Dan decided, I'm out of here. And basically, he left me with it because they hadn't said anything. But because he left, they hadn't planned this. Because he left, they thought, oh, let's merge biomedical engineering. So we ended up being the first operational department to merge. Human resources had merged in finance, but we were the first operational department to merge, and we never really merged. We just kind of faked it. But, uh, but they came to me, and uh, I got stuck doing my job and his job. So I got back at him. And what Dan had done, he, he left. And people don't know this about Dan. He's really an introvert. When we've done psychological testing and our teamwork, uh, assessments and we do our teamwork training together. Uh, Dan comes out as an introvert. He looks like an extrovert, but uh, he's not. And he was really happy being an engineer, working out of his house, doing projects, having a ball. He had plenty on his plate. And I went to him, I said, hey, why don't you come over to the simulation center and see what we're doing? And he came over and he thought this was really cool. And I said, well, look, I don't have time to do this. Why don't you run it? And that's how he came over. Frankly, I have no clue how we paid him. I don't know where the money came from. I just don't remember. But he was hired uh, by MGH, actually, because he had been at the Brigham. So now he's on the MGH Department of Anesthesia payroll uh, running the, the simulation center. So that was the serendipity that got Dan here. And that was in around 1995? Yeah, that was 95 was the merger. So I think he's been here since about 95. Okay. And it's amazing. He, he's an engineer. I mean, and he's a good engineer. He's, a, I guess, a much better engineer than I am. And here he is using his right brain to be what I'd say is probably the world's best debriefer. Like, you know, how did that happen? But it did. And, and he's able to manage both of those, you know, just, you know, expertly for as people. People probably don't know the engineering side of them. They just see the debriefing side or the, the showman side, if you will. But he's a really good engineer. He really can make, he builds things, he makes things happen. And he's happiest when he's in his little lab office there, building some new gadget, creating some new thing for the mannequin. 